Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. May the 20th, 2021, and we are right in the middle of one of those great times in the world of sports. Uh, Coming off a game on Wednesday night where a Lakers-Warriors play-in game drew the audience of, I think, a 5.6 million most-watched NBA game game. uh, on air since, like, 2019 Western Conference Finals. We just had the second jewel of the Triple Crown with Ron Bauer. Shout-out to you. uh, Did well there. Uh, with that one, we are rolling along in the middle of the baseball season. We have an incredible guest that's going to join us today. Uh, really ton to discuss. Yeah, great show lined up. And like you said, there's a lot, a lot of really cool things that are going on in the sports world, uh, especially if uh, you have a kind of a well-rounded interest level like you and I do uh, across a variety of platforms and different sports and things of that nature. Yeah, uh, we have a very... Uh, Superstar guest, really. We've been fortunate, Gino, because we've been able to talk to the best in a few different areas. Even like, uh, remember, we got like Julia, uh, Julie Mancuso in skiing. I mean, yeah. just it far reaching, you know, high and low, far and wide, left and right, you know, every corner of the sports world. But this is probably the first time that I could say that. Um, I mean, we've had Simeon Rice on, and he was one of the better players of, of yesteryear is probably the first time that I could say we have arguably the best defensive player or one of the best defensive players in the NFL. So I'm talking, of course, about Cam Jordan, New Orleans Saints defensive end. He's closing in on 100 sacks, um, but he's a really, really cool guy, a very interesting guy. So we'll spend a few moments talking with him about his offseason and what he has going on. But let's start off with that game last night. And you know, probably our listeners know, you're a big NBA guy. Yep. You know your basketball. You love your Lakers. You know, I'm more of a casual NBA fan. But that game drew me and drew big ratings, and it was deservingly so. It was a great, great matchup. I hope that we could see this. I don't even know if they can line up again down the road. But I wish that this was like a conference finals or something between just those a series. Two teams. Right? This would be such a great series. Just great fun. series. Great Star series. power. Um, teams doing different things. Like the Warriors, uh, they they struggled early on in the year because you know they were a team that was really lacking some firepower. And then they kind of had to all, reinvent themselves, right? I mean, they really just bought into this whole. Okay, hey. Our best chance to win is if we have Steph Curry shoot as much as possible. We play really hard defense and we just try to do everything to get him the ball and and if and if he's double and triple team just like somebody hit an open shot it's pretty simple and he's raised his level of play uh completely he he was unbelievable again last night it was funny he was really good and 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 he shot really well but i think one of the reasons why the lakers were actually able to win the game was because he didn't shoot as much as he did, they were able to actually force other people to shoot and just kind of take shots away from him. On Sunday against Memphis, he was six for twenty-two from three. <laughs> yeah, you know he he uh, Memphis was six for twenty-five as a team. 
he took 36 shots on Sunday. And, and so when he does something like that, and you know he's going to hit it at a high clip, he's just incredible. Uh, the Lakers it played about as poorly as you can. They had Schroeder was one for nine uh, in the first half. LeBron was one for seven. AD was two for 12. They shot 32% from the field and five of 18 from three. They were lucky they weren't down by 25 or 30, and they were still within striking range. Um, I got nervous, uh, very nervous, because it's just a one-game thing. you know. In a series, I'm super confident with the Lakers that if they're healthy, um, and even even with LeBron right now, where he's no doubt not 100%, even if he's like 75% like he is right now, I'm pretty confident that they're going to be tough to beat in you know four times out of seven. One game, anything can happen. And anything can happen, what, of course. What of makes course, that a, play? And on that note, and I, I want to get to, uh, you mentioned LeBron's shooting stats, but it was the one key basket that he made <laughs> that really gets the headlines, gets all the attention, because it was a great shot. Very, very important time of the game to be able to seal it for the Lakers. But before we talk about that, walk our listeners through the playoff format since not everybody might be tuned in or dialed into what this is all about. So yeah. let me, you tell me if I got this right. If you win one game, you're in double elimination for everybody else. Is that how it works? So here's how it is. Uh, the top six teams are in one through six. If you finished in Eastern and Western conference, you've got a playoff series. You're already set. If you finished seventh or eighth, um, seven through 10, on, on either one, then you've got to play to get in. So the seventh plays the eighth seeded team. Whoever wins that game locks themselves as the seventh spot. Whoever loses then drops down. And then the, the teams that were in the nine, 10, they play a game winner of that jumps up. So you could be 10 and actually still play your way in. Um, the top 10 teams basically have a, have an opportunity to get in. If you are a ninth or a 10th team, you have to win two games in order to get in. Um, like the Warriors, for example, um, now are going to be in a situation where they will be playing again um, against Memphis. And the winner of that game will go on and play Utah as the number eight spot. So, so they're not eliminated because of yesterday's loss, but now their backs are up against the wall. It's a yes. must-win situation for them pretty much from here yeah. on out if they want to continue this uh, so ride. So teams that would have been in the playoffs in a normal situation, one through eight, you have to lose twice to lose your spot. Teams that would want to kind of play their way in have to win two times to order to steal someone's spot, basically. Um, so the Lakers You know what's now- interesting about that format, Gino? Yeah. Is that... Typically, baseball has been the most reluctant to make change of all the American big-time sports. And I think that because of the success of the play-in game for baseball, I think basketball, for once, took something from MLB and not the other way around. You know what I mean? Like Baseball is usually not like super progressive about this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Do you think that this is going to stick? Is this a format that you like? Absolutely. Um, I think LeBron liked it when when he wasn't... Uh, you know, potentially victimized from it. I don't think he liked it as much, seeing that you know it could well, kind of control his fate. He see that see that was it again. Some people ran with the rock. He didn't like it when they initially announced it like three years ago, and he said, okay. "I don't like it if you have a whole season." But then with the bubble last year, they asked him when the season was broken up. It like during the pandemic, it was like the end of March when there was no basketball being played. They said, "What what should we do?" 
um, if when we get back together, he said uh, they said you know there are a bunch of teams that are all still to wanting to like play their way into the playoffs. And at that time, the Lakers were the number one seed, and they were like six, seven games ahead of everybody else. They were it didn't matter. He said, "Oh yeah, those teams should all get away to play their way in because the season had been completely suspended. Like this season, but." All of that being said, I think it, I like the play-in game. I think it's very good for the league. It makes the end of the season much more intriguing. He just didn't think that. And some player, people have said that Mark Cuban didn't like it. Dallas didn't like it. Of course, the people that are close to being in it don't like it as much because they feel like um, their season should be worth a little bit more. Um, I do think that there should be sort of like a and, – and it, it wouldn't have mattered this year. There should sort of be a criteria to where like – the teams close to the bottom have to be within a certain amount of games to each other. Like, would it stink to be a seven seed and be like 15 games ahead of the nine seed, you know, and be like, you could lose it in one game. See that that's one that I think sort of, but if they're within a few games of each other, I totally agree. This is cool. I was as a Laker fan. I was so nervous last night. It was a total playoff game. I was watching the standings the whole last few weeks when I normally wouldn't. Because normally the last couple of weeks of the NBA season are sort of a slog. Like you get just a lot of people checking out. This kept teams that were nine and ten who would have just stopped playing their players and would have been tanking. Now teams that were eleven and twelve were sort of battling to get a ten spot. Just so it kept the the quality of play of the league better all the way through till the end. We like we said this this game got a rating that was better than any game since the Western Conference Finals two years ago, of course they're going to keep it. You know, it's great. Even the Memphis game, um, the first game yesterday, got a better rating than I think any almost any NBA game of the season, of the regular season. That's That was like a Memphis Spurs game, I think. So this is, this is here to stay. You, you don't love it when your team is in it, but when you can kick back and watch a game like last night, the NBA is going to love it. This thing is not going away. I wouldn't even be shocked if they somehow expanded it. The one thing they've been talking about for a long time doing in the NBA is some sort of a midseason tournament similar to soccer or how like some of the European uh, basketball leagues do it. You know, some sort of a really take like three weeks or a month of no season and you have some sort of a, a single or double elimination tournament for some kind of a like something, you know, for some, some See, sort I think of a- basketball lends itself to that. Like mm-hmm. NFL, you couldn't do that. No, and no. MLB because of the timing and everything. And it's such a long season. You really can't do that. But I think in the NBA, they could, they could really, really parlay the success they're having with this and with alongside, you know, some type of like, like you said, um, soccer, quasi soccer format. Mm-hmm. I think it would work out really, really well. Yep, um, totally and agree. They may be able to space out some little bit of breaks in between for these guys too, uh, so they could recharge their battery a little bit. So it, interesting. I, you you made a a point that I want to talk about for a quick second, which is you you were saying that if the number seven seed, for example, has X many more wins than like the ninth seed or something like that, that very well could be a similar situation in MLB, right? Yeah, Let's just yeah. say hypothetically the like San wild card. Giants mm-hmm. keep winning the way they are. We could see a Dodger 100-win team. You know, I don't think the Giants are 100-win team, but let's just say, you know, w- Giants have 104, Dodgers have 103, and then playing against a team that might be, you know, a couple of games above 500. Oh, yeah. You know, so Absolutely. those things that- can happen. And um, football? I guess the, the only the, answer is the then the Dodgers should win, right? They should yeah, be able to football. win that 
one matchup, but so there's no guarantee that we talk about one. Gets a home game, even though that they deserve a home game yes, in the playoffs. Yes, great point. Yep. You know what I mean? Like that, that format is one that people have been talking about for a long time. Should they get a home game just because you win a division? You know, that's funny. Like just perfect. One of the Dodgers or the Padres is going to be perhaps, and we don't know, maybe a long ways to go, but they're both playing pretty well again right now too. So we will say they could be the two best teams in the league. And one of them could be very quickly out, you know, um, and and would, we would probably say that they were better than four or five of the other division winners in the league. Maybe every other one. Sure. But they, and they hey, had, look, man, if the Giants keep pitching the way that they've been oh, pitching. Oh, oh exactly. You know, this is, they this they could like truly a, be. I mean, this could be a really exciting three-team race, you know. Look over in your division right now. Four sure. teams are playing really well. The Yankees have started playing well. And so now the, the Yankees pitching is there. Um, you sort of feel like, okay, if their pitching is there, they'll at least be able to get get enough hits here and there to like string together what, what we at least were thinking was like a high floor for the Yankees. Boston's pitching. I've got a really cool article here about like how Boston's just like pitching staff's doing a really good job of finding like ways to limit big innings, big outs, home runs and stuff like that. And they're piecing things together. Um, heck, there could be three or four teams in that division you know battling because the other two divisions uh don't look all that great in the american league so yeah it, it is it is funny um and and you do like you said it i think what what i do like is that the nba and even baseball we're seeing and, and i guess even in football with the with the addition of games and stuff like that like some of these teams and leagues are at least willing to tinker with these things now and try some things out so and and I hope that you know what you test something out. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. We don't necessarily have to keep expanding, but hell, this this playoff uh, NBA play-in really works. In baseball, it seems like it it's more exciting. And I think I think what makes it really exciting is what also makes it really scary. Right? Is that that winner go home? Um, even, even remember the NBA all-star game with the ending, like the Elam ending when they changed it and, and how cool that was a couple years ago when people were really loving it, where they had like a target to shoot to and everybody was playing a lot harder and it was more intense because it was, it was a little bit different. It was like, they're playing out in the park. I don't know. There's something to that. Um, you know, like having a, a target to shoot for, or just like knowing that it, you know, that there's not another four games coming or another three games because that's great. And and in, in the final series and in the championships, there always should be like the most possible. The two the two best teams should get a chance to play each other the most times possible so we can see who the best is. But these these one game and duns, man, they are they are a blast to watch. Yeah, no no doubt about it. The only thing about changing playoff formats in any of these sports is uh well, especially for baseball, because in in basketball, the individual stats and accolades are really based on averages, you know, scoring average, rebound average, that type of thing. And baseball, besides batting average and ERA, you know, there are a lot of stats which are kind of cool, you know, like most playoff home runs or most playoff wins or that type of thing. And it kind of sort of bums me out a little bit. Not the end of the world, but like when I see like guys like Mickey Mantle or Duke Snyder or Ted Williams or guys like that getting replaced in the um, record books by Scott Brocious of the Yankees. Justin Turner has like every Dodger playoff. Yeah. So it's kind of misleading because, you know, to to be fair, it's a different format, more games, that type of thing. That's the only thing that I kind of sort of wish 
they they were able to kind of re- resolve to keep some of those names in the history books because you, you can't really compare. I don't mean to beat up on Scott Brocious or somebody from no, the no. Yankees, but I mean, or Paul O'Neill. I like Paul O'Neill a lot, but you really can't compare him or Tino Martinez or even Bernie Williams to some of those legendary players from the past. But those guys are all atop the Yankees all-time playoff lists. So, like Series I said, minor seven issue, of minor gripe, yeah. but it's worth, it's worth at least examining or giving credit to some of those pioneers that made the game great for so many years. And their record stood for so many years, probably would still stand if it were not for expanded playoffs and more games and so on and so forth. So, um, but hey, bringing it back to basketball, I enjoyed yesterday very, very much. It piqued my interest, especially, like you said, towards the end of the season with seven, eight games left, I usually check out. Mm-hmm. Unless there's a reason to check in, I usually am checking out last you know, two weeks of the NBA season. So this has kind of revived that because it's made those last few games more critical, more interesting. And so... Hey, they've done their job, right? Their job and is to entertain, and I think gonna, they've delivered. We're going to take a break in a minute or two and then uh, bring on a, a guest, I believe. But the the road now for the Lakers, win or lose, is honestly as good as they could have asked for everything that they, de- they dealt with this year. All of the injuries, having to just sort of stay alive and, and to get here now because they're going to play a series against the Suns, who had a very good year. They're the number two seed. If you would have said a couple months ago before the season that the Lakers were the two and the Suns were the seven, that's probably what a lot of people would have predicted, that these two just would have been flip-flopped in the same first-round matchup. A week and a half ago, these two teams played, and the Suns were completely healthy, and the Lakers had no LeBron, no Schroeder, no Kuzma. I think there were four players down. And Anthony Davis absolutely ate them alive. It's a really bad matchup for them because they only have Aiton and then they don't have really any other bigs. And the Lakers have like a ton of other size. So it is uh, win or lose. Heck, like Phoenix is good. I'm not saying the Lakers are going to go in here and sweep them, but it's not the greatest matchup on paper for a Phoenix team. And you got to be like if you're Phoenix, even Utah. Right, Utah's sitting at home, and they are rooting for the Grizzlies like crazy. You think Utah wants to play a series against Steph Curry? You think they want to be the the number one seed and have to get a series against Curry? You think the two seed Suns want to have a series against the Lakers? That's not a great reward for them as uh, as we head to break for, uh, well, for a great you know, season. One fi- final thought before we go to the commercial here is this. Arguably, the four lowest seeds of the uh, Western Conference – could a case could be made that they're more interesting than the top four seeds? Hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, at least I mean, six, I have seven, some eight, intrigue in the Clippers. I think you know yeah. Kawhi and everything. They might be a little bit overrated. Mm-hmm. I still think it was a wrong move to get rid of Doc Rivers, but that's a whole separate subject matter. Um, yeah, man, I I think the bottom four seeds are more compelling in a lot of different ways. Of course, any bracket with the Lakers on its own, and then add LeBron James and add. AD, you know, it's like it gets more and more interesting. But yeah, Steph Curry, man, this guy's elevated his game to another level. So it should be a really, really fun Western Conference playoff um, season because I think it's fairly wide open. You can make a case for a lot of different teams. G, let's uh, let's 
stop there for the moment, take a quick commercial break, and we will come back with all-pro defensive end from the New Orleans Saints, Cam Jordan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back here on the Mike Abadir Show, and we have a great, great guest here with us. Mike, why don't you introduce him? Yeah, we, we're talking to uh, all pro Six-time Pro Bowler, NFL 2010s All-Decade Team, All-Pac-10. I think there's a Hall of Fame or two that are mixed in there along the way. And maybe more interesting to me is uh, is two things. He's a really, really good guy, and he was nominated for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award um, out of the Saints organization. And th- I think those define Kim Jordan. Uh, probably more than what he does on the football field. So we're very fortunate to have him on with us. Cam, good afternoon. You're on hey, with Cam. Mike and Gino. How are you, buddy? Hey, I'll say, Mike, Gino, appreciate you guys having me on. I mean, you know, just, just living every every day, just probably blessed just to wake up, take a big breath and realize, you know, I got family and football all coming up. I mean, when you wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning and your son has been up for 15 minutes, you're like, ah, the day has begun. <laughs> exactly. So, speaking of your days, where where do you spend the majority of your off season? Are you in AZ? Are you in Louisiana? What's uh, what's what's a typical cam day like? Because I know that there's, I don't even know kids' school schedules nowadays. I don't have kids yet, so I don't know the school schedule yet year round or whatever. But where where do you park it? Um, you know, we split time between Arizona and New Orleans in the off season. And, uh, you know, honestly, 
I, I think we were just about to face that problem with, uh, you know, where to, where to you know, settle down, put the kids at. And then COVID happened, and my wife just championed up and was like, look, I don't really want to send the kids off to school. I'm just going to homeschool them. I was like, does that mean we have to get a – it's like, no, no, I don't want anybody in the house. Like, we're locking down. So she, like, studied all up on it and, and got it done. I mean, I try and tell people I'm just like a, a substitute PE teacher. She, she locks it down. <laughs> You know, my son tested out, so he's reading, you know, he's five years old, should be in kindergarten, but he's reading at a second grade level. Everything's sort of tops of the marks. Like, she's, she's on it. They don't just get, they don't get, like, you know, just regular recess. I come home, and they're still like, oh, and school, and night school starts. You know, like, she, she's on it, on, on top of being on it. Um, so, you know, they, they get no breaks. A five, four, two, and, you know, now the newest one. I, I, feel, I feel bad for the newest one because now she's well-versed in how to, how to coach and teach. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So before we talk anything about football or the Saints, you're talking about, you know, schooling and and kids. And it brings to mind something that you're working on putting together currently. Um, I wasn't aware of this really until you kind of shed light on this, Cam, about how many students in the New Orleans uh, area, probably around the country as well, didn't have Wi-Fi for school during this COVID period. And to me, it's kind of mind boggling because it's not very expensive, but I think we take it for granted that there's Wi-Fi available everywhere and that everybody can afford the $20. That's not the case for some areas, some communities um, around the world, but let's look here in our own backyard first. So tell us a little bit about that and what you're doing and how the listeners can help. Man, I mean, think, think about the digital divide. I, that's what I'm currently focusing, uh, or actually, currently I'm focusing on, uh, you know, the initiative that we just started out with Crescent City Corps and partnering up with the mayor's office and New Orleans PD um, and it being, you know, not a part of any of the governmental systems, a 5013C nonprofit organization outside of it that just has uh, a great foundation and a great view of how we feel like we can affect uh, the policing within a community. Um, but my next, my next ambition, my next attack is to give back to the future, which is the next generation. And that being a need, I mean, you know, this last, let's call it a couple a few months, maybe it was like four months ago. Um, we, we gave out laptops to the, to the community and doing that, you know, these kids had a huge need to, for these laptops to tune into school, to do what they needed to do to one face COVID and, uh, be quarantined at the house, but two, you know, get back online and, and catch up with schoolwork. And then you found out they couldn't even get online. I mean, and, and that was mind-boggling to me to just hear that, you know, a kid couldn't hop on a hotspot or a Wi-Fi. I, I feel like, you know, when I was growing up, we had AOL dial-up problems, and these kids are facing, like, not even, you know, being able to get onto to, to Internet anyway. So, uh, well, at least while being at the house, they have to venture out and go find a place to, to find a hotspot. Um, so... You know, it's got to be a solution. In my mind, there's always a positive effect. You know, positivity begets positivity. Um, and it's going to be focused on how, how best to help some of these certain areas in, in New Orleans and, and the greatest surrounding area uh, within it. Now, does that mean, you know, excuse my ignorance, but does that entail more about, like, you know, collecting donations and helping pay the monthly installments for 
uh, Wi-Fi or for internet services? Yeah, or does that mean building the actual yeah, infrastructure because there's no reach or both? Exactly. Exactly. Um, that's going to be the, that's going to be how we best attack that. Um, as, as a word, like I said, as, as Crescent City Corps and the cohort that we're going through retraining, you know, some of the police, police officers from the NOPD and not only anti-racism training, leadership training, but equality training, um, bringing in various community leaders to talk to these police officers and maybe, you know, open up not only their minds, but their hearts towards how to shift the, uh, policing entity that they've, they've been, uh, you know, the perspective of they're not our friends. Uh, there's, you know, there's somebody who, who, whatever, you know, the path that we take for it. Um, but the next spot is, is just that, is it building infrastructure? Is it actually, uh, providing, you know, the easiest, pro the, the easiest point in my mind is probably just providing a hotspot, you know, individual hotspots. Um, and in terms of collecting donations, I don't know if I've ever gone that far. If anything, I've always just put it out there just because again, I'm not looking for, you know, I'm not looking for a write-off or whatever it is. I feel like I've been blessed enough to wake up and and be able to breathe the air God has given me and have a phenomenal family. And this last 10 years, had a phenomenal career, uh, not only in football, but in New Orleans. And how the city has embraced me, I'm always trying to give back. Gino, you know what I think is really cool about what Cam's saying is this. You know, last summer, there were a lot of people that, like, you know, tweeted their thoughts, you know, about uh police issues and racial issues and things of that nature. Some people hit the streets um, and some people offered solutions. Cam is actually coming up with solutions and connecting the dots as well, connecting with the important people who could actually make some of these solutions get implemented through the mayor's office, et cetera. That, that to me is impressive. Hey, you putting your money where your mouth is, right? Uh, right. Helping out and, uh, and, and showing that, uh, at setting an example for other people to, to try and do the same. Um, just some amazing stuff, and we're very happy to be able to uh, to kind of promote and, and anything that we can do to help uh, share all of the, uh, the the great things that you're doing off the field. Um, wanted to ask you sort of a, I guess, like an overall uh, more on the field question. Just what's the vibe like this year um, with, uh, you know, obviously a team that's going to be like led a little bit differently this year without uh, the head honcho Drew, who's been sort of the the leader for so long or around. You guys aren't a young team. It's not like uh, you have a bunch of new players necessarily uh, necessarily in there. But um, I'd imagine it's probably a little bit of a different vibe without him in there. Um, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, we're we're sort of in that OTA. Well, Bart that we're sort of in that very voluntary mode of where guys are just, you know, lifting and actually running in the facility. Um, and, you know, but you've seen the workouts that James has been organizing outside of it. You've mm -hmm. seen, you know, the, the work Taysom has put in all through social media. Um, and of course, you know, with James being out there, you've seen oh, some of our wide receivers, you know, gravitate towards him and, and his leadership that he's been provided because we know what he can do on the field. You know, you, you hate to lose a quarterback like Drew Brees because you know, at least with Drew, you're going to hit the playoffs every year, if not every other year. You know, I've been part of the league 10 years and I've been to the playoffs at least six times, seven times. I mean, not many people can say that. Hell, you know, the Buccaneers before Tom Brady hadn't been to the playoffs in probably my entire career. <laughs> But um, yeah, good point. So you know how important 
Yeah, you know how important the quarterback is in that position. But you know, with Jameis, you're getting a guy who can throw 5,000 yards. You know, you can tag on, hey, but he threw 30, 30 interceptions, but he also threw 30-plus tucks. I mean, so when you, ha- when you give a guy that has the talent, the, not only, you know, the chance, but uh, offensive mind guru with Sean Payton, um, and then, of course, a year behind Drew Brees to understand and be able to study uh, somebody who has always been so efficient and so uh, effective. Man, I mean, this is going to be the year where I feel like James, you know, you're going to see his viability, you know, his talent, but you're also going to see the matured uh, vision that I, I believe he had a chance to cultivate this last year. Yeah, I really like Jameis even just coming out of college. I always felt that, you know, he's kind of the traditional, you know, drop back, you know, in the pocket, great arm type of quarterback. Having gone up against him for a few years, uh, I'm sure you're glad that he's on your side to pick, be able to pick up the torch and carry it from uh, Drew onward. But was there anything that, like, stood out on film? Because he's such a good thrower, and like you said, he racked up 5,000 yards, you know, a boatload of touchdowns. Is there anything that, like, you or the defensive unit was able to pick up on? You know, is it when he, once he gets pressured? Is it if you get him to step up um, when the cop pocket collapses? You know, what were some of the things that you identified that he might be able to fix? I mean... If anything, I, I don't I don't know if it was much on him as it was. Of course, the offensive scheme he was in, he was he was definitely a risk taker, and with you know high risk comes high reward, and that's where you see you know the a lot of yards come through, and as well as some of the uh, you know some of those picks it, you've seen some, those balls play, and some of it was you just bouncing off you know receivers' hands or uh, you know without without putting blame, but it was some some drop balls or some some tap balls that uh, just went against you know the luck. Um, and at the same time, you did see some bad decisions at the time, but that's going to happen when you're taking these high high risk shots. Um, you know, if, if Jameis walked in the building, and we we already knew what he was about. You know, he's an up top port shot type guy. Every every pass that he wanted to throw wanted to be a touchdown. I mean, you saw it in practice. You saw it. He you, know, you saw it in training ball. You saw it. You saw it at uh, practice during the year. Um, but then you also started seeing where he would be okay with some of these checkdowns, some of these intermediate throws. And that's where you're going to see growth. It's not, it's not the negatives. It's the positives that, is, that are happening mm-hmm. that get you excited about it. Yeah, it looks like he's, he's going to be in a spot now for the first time where it's just, um, in a weird way, there's always pressure on you as a quarterback. But there's just going to be a lot less pressure on him to just make the right play, not be forced to have to try to carry the load all the time and maybe make a play that's not there. Um, for sure. Um, I mean, I feel like that's what makes some of these great quarterbacks so great is they're not, you know, forcing these deep balls. It's okay to check down. You know, they, it's not like, you know, you could say the championship caliber quarterback from this last year lives by check downs and in, in, in shorter routes. But then, you know, we'll go ahead and, and toss that deep ball, especially once you get comfortable and, you know, mix it in with some play actions and boots uh, just to just to make that, that – everything sort of looked the same when it, of course, it changes in his mind. You know, in baseball, they, there's uh, there are certain type of players that are utility players and they could get plugged in in the outfield or the infield and they do a lot of different things. That secret weapon, Taysom Hill, tell us about 
just how awesome he is to watch, how fun and dynamic he is. Man, um, I feel like you put Taysom Hill in any position, uh, he might be able to play safety if you let him. Uh, wow. box safety. But, um, but I think that, you know, that's what's so electric about Taysom is you, you can't be able to – you're not able to peg him. You don't know what position he's going to play. And I, I always say, like, that's his most valuable trait in my mind. If I'm, a de- if, I'm, if I'm a defensive coordinator trying to game plan, it's like, where do we find Taysom? We know we got Mike T who catches everything, probably has, you know, the NFL career percentage catch rate. Um, easily, I think you know. I think I read that somewhere. He's like like seventy seven point six percent, minimum hundred catches, yada yada yada. But you know, Mike T's going to catch everything. You got Traquan Smith, who you know is a burner at wide receiver. Um, you know, we have we have guys that I think can definitely stretch the field as well as attack. And then of course you have Taysom Hill, which now you have to figure out. Yo, is he playing halfback, fullback, wide receiver, quarterback? Um, and in a limited role, maybe you can be able to uh, may, may be able to stop him if you say, "Hey, he's just a quarterback," or "Hey, he's just a tight end," or "Hey, he's just a halfback, fullback, or or just." But he's more than just; he can do it all. <laughs> and I think I think that's where you really see the benefit of of Taysom Hill. All right, you ready to play a little bit of a rapid fire? Yeah, go for it. All right, hardest quarterback to bring down in your career so far? Cam Newton, like year two. Cam Newton, <laughs> year three, 2015 MVP Cam Newton. Okay, now I was telling Gino before we got started here that I was more interested in Cam the person than necessarily the football player. So Cam the person, tell me your feelings on Airbnb. <laughs> Man, I just uh, clearly I've been I've been I've been locked COVID and didn't realize how many you know different charges. Like normally, I was thinking like you know I've always used Airbnb because it's like hey if I can get a room at a hotel at a nicer hotel it's gonna be you know two three hundred bucks. But I can, at that same point I can use Airbnb and get a house with its own little pool in the back and you know for three three hundred three fifty yeah. and you're really sure. paying, you know paying for some amenities. It's like a two or three bedroom. Um, and now it's like, you know, the same house I, I booked before at like, let's call it 400 bucks is now sitting at like 850. And I'm like, one, okay, I get it. Housing market took off. Does that affect Airbnb? And then two, you know, it's like, <laughs> oh, now I'm getting hit with all these, all these different, all these different figures. I get it. Airbnb, you know, went public and I, I IPO went public and they act indifferent. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm sitting there like, damn, I guess I'm going back to hotels. Uh, let me, yeah, let me, I was just going to say, that, that lures you back to the, the hotel route again. That's kind of funny. And hopefully I've got, I've got people one. do that equalizes things. Go ahead, Gita. I've got one for you. Uh, is there anything uh, good, either TV show or movie, that, you're watch- that you've watched recently? Something that you, uh, you think is worth uh, sharing with everyone to, to go watch? Man, I just finished uh, Jupiter's Legacy. About okay. super, you know, superheroes who are yeah. just real world looking at. Um, and I, you know, I finished it. And I was just like, I want more. Like I, it's one of these rare instances where like, it's only six episodes in, like, how dare you only have six episodes for a season? <laughs> Great. Um, and then, and then of course I just started, I can't, I just started the show start up. Oh, okay. Where nice. it's like, it's, it's low, it's, it's, it's crypto based actually. 
it's one of these, you know, these these geniuses that are uh, great with computers, creates their own crypto, uh, you know, this this. Oh, is, is that the one? With, is that the one where the, where you have some young lady that came up with the coding or something? Yes. 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 Okay. Yep. Yeah. And and then of course he's got you know I believe like this Haitian let's call it mafioso or gangster whatever you want to put that that yeah. that uh, pronoun on him but uh this this street whatever guy and and, and they all sort of trying to make this crypto push I like to say I'm only two episodes in so I can't give you direct nice. but cool. it's, it's getting great I so, I have that on my watch list so that's going to be getting fired up pretty soon here before we let you go Cam. You mentioned crypto. Two quick questions for you. The first one is, what's your favorite cryptocurrency right now? Man, I mean, that changes daily. I mean, you know, I was on early, like, let's call it late December about Doge. So I made, uh, I made decent off with that. Um, and probably, you know, I keep kicking myself in the butt for, for selling. I've, I've learned to try and have diamond hands, but... I've got these, you know, I've got these liquid hands, like paper hands. I just, <laughs> I, I go like hot potato sometimes. And I, I, I'm, I'm trying to think about long game. But, um, you know, Ethereum has been great. And even in this crash, it's been great. I mean, I, I look, at, I look at, a, a, at a good crash like it's the hottest time to buy. I mean, it dropped Absolutely. like 1800 bucks, And then, you know, you, I bought like five or six of them. It's now, it was sitting at like 2600 bucks this morning. And I said, thanks. I said, I'll take, you know, five grand in less than 24 hours. I'm running Hell away yeah. with it. Um, uh, and then, uh, you know what? You know, I, was, uh, I was pissed, by the way, because, see, you're a couple hours ahead of us here in California. So it, that happened when I was in the middle of my sleep. And I wished I was up okay. a couple of hours earlier to catch it at that down uh, 1800 mark, man. I was like, man. I wish I was up for that. So one final question for you, Cam. 100X, new coin, yeah. got some upside. You're going to be, as the crypto world says, shilling it. Tell us a little bit about your thoughts <laughs> about 100X and kind of why you were interested in this one out of all the many, many, many new coins that have emerged. Man, um, just reading on it, I mean, I heard about 100X. Um, a lot like I heard about, you know, Cardano. And it was just like, as you're doing research, it sounded good. When you think about it being connected to, you know, the, the Binance smart chain, I'm like, all right, and now we have a proper backing. You know, like it, when, when things start to connect, it makes sense. And I see some dots start to connect for me. I'm like, I got to get in on so, at least while it's, while, while it's low now. Because once it takes off, we're going to be looking back at it a lot like some other coins. Like, why didn't I get in at the beginning? How did I not know? Um, and you, you know, knowledge is power. And the more I read up on it, the more I get excited. I might, I might have to, I might have to double up to, uh, you know, very soon. Cam, great stuff, man. Super appreciative that you could join us. I recommend that all the listeners follow on Twitter, Cam Jordan ninety four. He's a very good follow, and we'll retweet some of the initiatives that you're working on now and the ones that you're going to be putting together for the future. Man, thank you very much, man. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys for having me. Absolutely, Thanks, man. God bless. And, Gino, we're up against it. Commercial, we're actually late. Let's take our final commercial break, and we'll be back to close out the show. Mm-hmm. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. That was really cool. One of the uh, more higher profile uh, guests that we've had here on the Mike Abadir Show. Big thanks to cam for helping us out there and, he's a really good uh, dude you know yeah just real smart give him a follow check out some of the things that he's involved in and interested in you could tell he's a uh, he, he's he's got a good head on his shoulders too and he's incredible out on the field so uh great stuff from him yeah he's very easy to root for and he's he's a fun watch um in an nfl game you know uh doesn't make a lot of mistakes closing in on 100 sacks Actually, I wish I asked him kind of like if that's a meaningful thing to him or not. You know, 100 sacks, that's kind of like the 500 club in baseball or something, 500 home runs. You know, not that many people have hit the 100 sack mark. Yeah. You know, I think there's probably like 25 or less that have ever played the game. So, um, yeah, yeah, great. Great to have him on. Super appreciative of that. So, Gino, let's talk a little baseball for a quick second again. Um, the Dodgers have had kind of an interesting early season thus far. Uh, injuries kind of keep coming, though, and they're trying to fill the gaps. What are your thoughts about bringing in the big guy, Albert Pujols? Yeah, you know what? I didn't uh, at the beginning. I was sort of like, doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. I was kind of curious where um, where he was going to play, but. The more and more, um, even even just like watching some of his at bats here. Now, this isn't Albert Pujols of old. This isn't the Albert Pujols from ten years ago. This isn't even the Albert Pujols from two or three years ago. So, so I'm not I'm not looking at Albert Pujols as necessarily, um, you know, comparing him to his old version. What you had to do for the Dodgers was compare. Would you rather have Albert Pujols getting some at bats or um, DJ Peters? Luke Ray, uh, Luke Rayleigh and uh, Noisy, some young 
prospects that aren't even necessarily Peters has been, but the others weren't necessarily like the top, top, top of the line prospects. They're kind of playing and have been thrust in because of other injuries now too. you know, Bellinger, Seager, McKinstry was sort of like a, a fill in, like do it all type. So I'm just like, what is he, he's just going to play out, come off the bench. Um, but, but he seems like he's bought in. He didn't really want to do that for the angels. I think with the Dodgers, they've told him, Hey, look, you'll probably get one or two starts a week. Um, you'll get at first base. You'll get starts when we play in some American league ballparks. And we, you will get into probably almost every game with an at bat late in the game in like a meaningful at bat because the Dodgers are always going to be making pitching changes, making bullpen moves. It's not like the American league, you know, you need the, the Dodgers use three pinch hitters every game, you know? So he, like, I think I even texted you like, this is kind of weird because I figured he would want, maybe want to go somewhere where he could play more, but he seems like he's really happy. Like he's smiling on the bench after everyone has an at bat. They go and talk to him and he like, they pick his brain and they're all smiling and he's like talking to the pitchers. He literally looks like he's another coach in the dugout, which is pretty cool. I think, I think it's kind of like sparked a team that was in a little bit of a malaise. Now it's not like they were starting to play well before he came there, but it's kind of picked their energy up a little bit. Well, a a couple of quick thoughts. First one is, by the way, how the heck do we get the pronunciation noisy from the way that it's spelled? Right. We'll we'll leave that one aside I for know, another I day. Know. But um, <laughs> but by the way, I apologize for not getting back to you on the Albert Pools. I ha- do oh, no have worries. a lot of thoughts, and I wanted to collect them, and then I got tied up with boxing uh, over the weekend and everything. Kind of a new area arena for me. But with that said, how many times over the years have we seen it where? Like even Manny Ramirez, kind of later in his career, comes over from the Red Sox to the Dodgers, AL to NL. And then you see like a really big burst of energy. They kind of, some guys feel like they have to still prove themselves at the latter stages of their career. I wouldn't at all be surprised if Albert Pujols, you know, kind of was halfway back, you know, maybe hit 260, 270. And, and and a nice number of home runs. Um, I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if that were to happen. He seems really happy to be there. And mm-hmm. I think the most eye-catching thing for me is, I don't know if you had a chance to watch his press conference or not, but he made it very clear that he's willing to accept any role that the front office or Dave asked him mm-hmm. to participate in. And the other thing that was really, really big is he went out of his way to say, he wants to help the younger guys. He wants to mentor them. This isn't like an Aaron Rodgers type guy where he's like, no. I'm not working with the other quarterback. That's not my job. Um, yeah, by definition, it's not your job. But Pujols, it wants to, you know, to see the next guys carry the torch and, and to do really well. And I think a big part of that is because he didn't experience much success playoff-wise with the last the decades. The last yeah, 10 years? so he knows With the taste. if he helps guys out, it only helps his cause. He you know, he had a taste of those World Series with the Cardinals, and then it just dropped off. How great is he going to be pinch, a pinch hitter off the bench in a playoff series? Or like Absolutely. late innings in the game? Because no matter what, even if he still doesn't have the same bat speed or he can't do what he used to do, when, you're, when he goes up to bat, the pitcher still thinks twice about it. It's Albert Pujols, right? 
You know what I mean? Like you're you're gonna maybe pitch a little bit more cautious with him, or sort of around him, maybe even in some spots. Um, and you know he's not defensively the same guy, but you put him at first base, you move Muncie over to second. Lux is way better at shortstop than Seager is, and so actually, you know that's what's kind of kind of funny. We only have three or four minutes left in the show. Her, um, losing Seager hurts them. Seager was incredible last year, but he actually offensively he hadn't really like got into a a, a groove this year. And defensively, he had been pretty bad. Um, so it's actually an upgrade defensively, whether it's Lux or Taylor. Whoever plays there is much better than Seager um, on that side. They just got to, you know, can they produce throughout the lineup as well? Um, and Bellinger should be coming back soon. So I think they're in fun shape. Uh, before uh, I give it back to you with a few minutes, you were mentioning some of the Dodger, the the, the veterans, like late veteran moves. There was a really cool article in Fangraphs about it, and it is called Dodger Late Career Legends. Gary Carter in 91, Jim Tomey 2009, Willie Randolph, Ken Boyer, Mark Bellinger, Ricky Henderson, Kenny Lofton, Frank Robinson, Michael Young, Greg Maddox, Juan Marichal, David Wells, Hoyt Wilhelm, all played with the Dodgers late in their careers. That's crazy. There's so many of those names that I completely forgot or maybe even didn't know. Maddox was on the Dodgers? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, he's Cubs and Braves. What do you mean he's a Dodger? You know? Um, Yeah, man. It's... It's a good or it seems like the Dodgers and the Yankees relish those opportunities. It's kind of like the Raiders version of uh, the NFL. The Dodgers and the Yankees, they know which guys to identify that could be good locker room guys. And I think that's one of the reasons why each of those clubs has had a lot of success. Organizations. They yeah, treat their whereas stars so many well other too. teams bring in somebody and then they have to release him because it doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, so big props to uh, the gang in blue for being able to identify that and make that happen conversely really quickly i shame on the angels there are some milestones that pujols is about to connect on how could you not have him do that in angels uniform to me that's mind-boggling like the timing of it like you knew what you were getting with albert you know you're probably not a playoff team this year i get you want to get a younger person in there and some at bats but these are legendary milestones that he's going to hit, you know, passing A-Rod and home runs and that type of thing. You know what I mean? It's I don't know. Like, I wonder what Trout thinks about something like that. Is that the kind of thing you're going to do to me late in my career when I'm not the same anymore? You're going to send me sure. out to the past here? You know, something that the, that the Lakers, uh, as we have just a few seconds left in the show, the Lakers have done well, too. Right. They didn't do that to Kobe. And does that is that the reason why someone like LeBron looks at how the organization was run and said, you know what? I want to go end my career there. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I wish we had more time. I wanted to talk about Naira's decision and, and the Belmont and back up to the Preakness. We'll try to hit on those things next week. Gino, fun show. Thank you. A big thank you to Cam Jordan. Thank you to the listeners. We always appreciate you joining us. Have a tremendous sports weekend, and we'll see you same time, same place next week. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.